What's good, my amazing friends? This is Sarah Amazing Grayson. Welcome to The Remedy. You guys, I am so stoked to be with you guys for another week. Welcome to The Remedy. We're going to dig into God's Word. And today's show, we're going to get pretty real and pretty raw with some really touchy subjects. But you know what? That's what this show's all about. Am I right? I had someone recently ask me, hey, Sarah, why do you always say, hey, what's good? Well, I try and focus on the good in every day, even the worst ones. There's always a ray of hope, the good. And if you're walking through rough waters, I know that it's hard to look around and not just see all of the destruction and the fear and the insanity and the chaos and job loss and family abandonment, grief and sadness and fear. And the list is seemingly endless. Depression and anxiety, they are always waiting just around the corner to pounce, to seep their sticky black goo through every pore and every crack. When we're broken and we're shattered by the waves of life, there are a lot of cracks for that anxiety and that depression to seep through. And it can and very often does overwhelm you or seem that way. In the church, very often you'll hear fake, sticky, sweet sayings, fake religious memes, or broken away pieces of scripture that are out of context. And they might soothe for a moment. But often, ultimately, they fall short because it's empty promises taken out of context. When you're facing huge trials, unimaginable heartbreak, maybe it ain't even that serious, but your mind is sinking. It may be just one bad day, but your body doesn't have the weapon to fight back against that black goo that is seeping into all the cracks and crevices and it can feel like it'll drown you. In the last two shows, I mentioned that I have anxiety, and a listener wrote me and asked if I could speak more about my experience. She shared with me that she struggles too with anxiety and that it really helped her to know that she wasn't alone. She asked if I would go a bit deeper about my personal struggle. So this week, and since May is Mental Health Month, Carly, here you go. Also, if you ever want to reach out to me like Carly did, you can just look me up at sarahamazinggrace at gmail.com. Send me an email. I would love to hear from you. Okay, yes, I have anxiety. And I'm not talking about just being a nervous Nelly. I'm talking about the kind of fear that grips your whole body, that it overtakes your mind. Okay, I hate throwing up. I mean, I like really hate it. And unfortunately, that's one way that my body reacts to super fear. So lame. I shake, I get dizzy. The first time I ever had a panic attack, I figure that I was around seven. My baby brother, Peter, was very, very sick. He had a super high fever and was even having seizures because of that fever. Pete was only three years old and I was only seven. And it was on a Sunday. My dad had to preach, so my mom was up all night and all morning with him. She was exhausted. If you're a pastor or a pastor's family and you're listening to this, that spiritual warfare on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning, oh my gosh, it is legit. That is the time when your kids will get sick or something hard is going to happen <laughs> right before you're supposed to preach. It's for real, real. Anyway. 
My mom, she was so exhausted, and I babysat a lot and helped out with my younger brothers. So even though I was only seven, my mom asked if I could watch him in the bath while she laid down for a few minutes. I mean, I had given my brothers baths a lot. So I put Pete in the bath and I ran across the hall just a few steps to my bedroom, literally a few steps. I ran in there to get my New Kids on the Block magazine so I can sit there and read it while Pete was taking a bath. It was only a few steps. But when I walked back into the bathroom, Pete was drowning. He had started to have a seizure from the warm water that had raised his temperature. And at seven years old, I didn't know. My mom didn't know. Neither of us knew that warm water would raise a temperature and cause another febrile seizure. In a second, Peter was under the water, and I screamed for my mom, and she came running in and pulled Peter from the water, called 911, and tried to wake him up and did CPR, but because he was seizing, he had inhaled water. And it was really bad, you guys. I'm in my early 40s, and I can still remember the whole scene like it was yesterday. Ultimately, Peter would survive. The doctors didn't think so, but the prayers of many people, God basically raised my little brother from the dead. They were sure that he would either not wake up or have total brain damage, but he didn't. He had no brain damage, and my brother Peter, his life's purpose and the calling on his life is huge. Anyway, for me, that started a downward spiral of fear and terror in my life. Was, was I to blame? I mean, had I almost killed my baby brother? Of course not. I was seven years old but, and my brother was sick, but it felt like it was my fault. And within just a few months later, my beloved grandmother got cancer and died. And then just a few months after that, my parents' super close friend who I grew up and spent a ton of time with, he was a gospel singer. His name was Keith Green. And he was in a plane crash along with his kids that I had played with and knew. And Keith and his two kids, they'd all died. And for me, seeing my parents with incredible grief of my dad losing his mom and then a few months later losing his best friend, all of that death and tragedy kind of short-circuited my brain. And in that short time, it cemented a battle that I have fought most days since then. And it's the battle of panic, anxiety, and fear. Often in church circles, or actually in most circles of life, really, mental health issues are seen as a personal weakness. They're seen as some kind of stigma that if you struggle with depression or anxiety, you struggle in silence for fear of letting anyone know that you might be anything but a joy bubbler. You know what I mean? Or maybe you lack faith. That's what's causing it. Or any number of reasons that people like to label those that suffer with stuff such as this. Whatever the reason, it's not right. It should be okay to tell people that you're having these kind of challenges. We should be able to be there to lift each other up in prayer and encouragement. Even if you have never struggled with something like this, a lot of people are struggling. The statistics are that one in three people suffer from some kind of depression or anxiety struggle. It's not some weird isolated event or somehow you're weak. Often the people who are struggling with those are the people who are the strongest, that they've endured so much, and it's a stamp of their survival. We each have our own battles and challenges in life, but if this isn't something that you can relate with, just hang on and, and have a little listen because it might give you some compassion for those who are struggling with something like this.
because I guarantee you, you're going to meet or come across someone in your life who is fighting this battle. The remedy in today's show isn't coming from, in my experience, it isn't to be totally healed of this affliction. Man, I have prayed and prayed and I have begged to be set free. And so far, that hasn't happened in my life. I know it does for some. I know some people are totally healed of this, and that is incredible, but that hasn't been my experience, and I may not ever be healed from it. But what I've come to learn is that that's not a failure of God, and it's not a failure of mine. Today's remedy that I'm going to talk to you about is to introduce you to someone who I believe struggles with something very similar, and he speaks about it in the Bible. I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Paul, Paul the Apostle. He wrote a huge portion of the New Testament. He's incredibly well known. In fact, besides Jesus and maybe Abraham and Moses, Paul is probably the most well known biblical character. If you don't know the Bible and you don't know Paul, let me introduce you to him. Paul, this guy, he had a totally sordid history, and Paul thought that he was doing God a favor by murdering Christians. <laughs> Until that one day when Christ met Paul on the road to Damascus. By the way, this was after Jesus had died and gone to heaven. Jesus had such a hardcore call on Paul's life and knew what was ahead that Jesus physically appeared to Paul. It's even written about in historical record that this happened. I mean, that's legit. Paul was so radically changed by this experience and he was saved in an instant. And the entire course of Paul's life was completely turned around. One moment, Paul is murdering and persecuting people who are following Jesus. And in an instant, his life changed. And then Paul actually spent the rest of his life traveling and preaching the gospel and training up new churches and church leaders and spreading the good news of Jesus all around. In fact, if you are a non-Jew and you are a Christian today, you have Paul to thank because Paul went outside of the Jewish people who Jesus really surrounded himself with and brought the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles or the people who aren't Jewish. Paul had such a radical testimony that people, it blew their minds and people saw Jesus through Paul. Paul's life, eventually he ended up being imprisoned and actually executed himself for teaching about Jesus. I want to read you a passage from Paul's notes. Remember, this is a guy who legit was chosen by Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't lack of faith or lack of prayer or some failing in Paul of why God didn't heal Paul from this affliction. In fact, God speaks to him, but listen to what Paul says. Today, our passage comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a great chapter. If you want to read the entire chapter 12, I urge you to do so. But today, for time, I'm going to skip through it. I've kind of given you a brief rundown of Paul's life and how he was radically changed. But in verse 7, Paul says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to buffet me and to keep me from being proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Paul, he begged the Lord three different times, take this away from me. And there has been lots of debate over what that thorn in the flesh was that Paul talked about. 
There's some people say that it was uh, some kind of physical pain or some kind of ailment. And some say that it was some unmentioned temptation or some radical illness. But I believe it was exactly what Paul says it was. It was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet him. And if you look at what buffet means, it means to punch someone in the face. It means to beat them up. That voice in your head that beats you down, that reminds you of your past or that you're not good enough or strong enough to be effective for the good. That voice that says horrible things, that those horrible things will happen to you if you step outside of your comfort zone or if you do this or that. The voice that says the sky is falling and it's all because of you. If you are one of those one in three that suffer from depression or anxiety, you know exactly what this messenger says to you. The remedy today is knowing, one, that you're not alone in suffering this, that even Paul the Apostle dealt with it. The remedy today, my friends, is what God says next. What is God's answer to Paul after the three times that Paul begged the Lord to take it away? In verse 9, Paul says that the Lord said to him, each time I begged, the Lord said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. Paul goes on to say, So now I am glad to boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardship and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong because he was strong with the power of Christ. My friends, the remedy is that God's grace is sufficient for you and that in your weakness, his power works best. God allows hard stuff in our lives for three reasons. One, God allows it to perfect you. And two, God allows it sometimes to perfect others through you. And most often, it's door number three. <laughs> and it's both. That through this, you are being perfected, and through you, others are being perfected. My friends, in your weakness, he is strong. God has called you, my one in three, to greatness, but it's not for you to boast. The only boasting is of Christ. My amazing friends, in this Mental Health Awareness Month of May, I say to you, like Paul, take pleasure in your weakness. Allowing God to be your strength. Until next week, my friends, rest in God's power. I love you guys. Peace. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. New shows coming at you each week. If you have a question or a comment, send them to asksaragrace at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.